0: Welcome, everyone, this morning. Our call to worship words this morning are from Wendell Berry's poem, The Peace of Wild Things.
1: When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life And my children's lives may be. I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds.
0: I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethoughts of grief. I come into the presence of still water And I feel above me the day, blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Come, let us worship together in awe and reverence for this, our blue boat home.
2: Standing on to the
0: Bonnie, please unmute. Since time immemorial, indigenous people have stewarded all of North America. I'm hearing some noise. I think someone's not muted. Thank you. Since time immemorial, indigenous people have stewarded all of North America. Their holistic understanding of the environment created a sustainable and symbiotic relationship with the waters, plants, and animals of the land. Land acknowledgement is the public recognition of this knowledge and care. It is important to note that land acknowledgement is not inaction. It's not reparations or reconciliation, but in recognizing the history and work of Indigenous people, we offer respect continue our journey of understanding and begin to share the burden of truth-telling. We look to Indigenous elders and their youth for guidance because it is only Indigenous ways of being that will ensure our collective future. Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of Durango and our online worship service. I'm Bonnie Miller, a member of UUFD and today's volunteer host for the Sunday service. As we look ahead to the time when we can physically gather together again, we are grateful for all those who create and participate in our online worship services. We do miss being in each other's presence, but we know that we are the church, no matter the setting or manner in which we gather. We are people of all ages, people of many backgrounds, beliefs, and perspectives. We come together to build our spirits, nurture our relationships, and pick up hope and love. Our environmental justice team joins us today in leading worship. The team members include Tom Miller, Stephen Guy, Robert Winslow, Elizabeth Long, Sue B. Earl, Mary Sison, Bob Kuhnert, and Werner Heiberg. Also leading today's service, are worship team members, Mary Oaken as worship associate, James Mirabal, assisted by Dennis McClure, providing tech support. Shannon Beaver and Cheryl Guy are greeters. Classical pianist, Marilyn Garst, providing our meditation and offertory and transitional music pieces. And That's choir nice. director, Elizabeth Crawford, drummer Lawrence, drummer Lawrence Nass, and choir ensemble members providing our final song. If you are new to UFD, we're so glad to to welcome you to sharing worship with us today. And if you're looking for a spiritual home or you've been thinking about membership, you can type a message in the chat line to Shannon Beaver. She's our Connections Coordinator. And you'll also see in the uh, chat line a digital guest book. If you sign your name, we'll put you on our list to receive our weekly announcements and our monthly newsletter. And now let's light our chalice a symbol of our faith.
1: Our community chalice lighting this morning comes from Mary Sison. And you'll wanna check yourself, make sure you're muted, but please join me in um, speaking our affirmation out loud. Uh, You'll find the affirmation printed in the chat. So I invite you to join me in these words of affirmation and declaring our congregational covenant. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is its sacrament and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge in freedom, to serve human need for these high purposes do we unite in worship.
0: As we prepare to share words of peace and love with each other, you may want to change your view right up in the corner of your screen to gallery so you can see more people on your screen. So you're invited to unmute yourself and let's connect with each other.
3: Hello. Good? Good?
0: Oh,
3: good morning, I huh. Hi, yeah.
4: Hi, everybody.
3: Hi, Hi, Susan
0: and John. Hi, how Hi, John.
5: Hello,
0: Peace and love to each one of us here today.
4: I'm reading Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let The soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees the mountains and the rivers meanwhile the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again whoever you are no matter how lonely the world offers itself to your imagination calls to you like the wild geese harsh and exciting over and over announcing your place in the family of things.
5: Wow, Marilyn, that was fantastic. Um, Our story today is going to be in the form of a short video entitled uh, Save Our World. Uh, However, before we go to the video, I would just like to say to the kids that our current generation of adults, that's myself and most of the congregation at UUFD, haven't done a very good job of taking care of our beautiful earth. However, it gives me great comfort to know that you kids are already on top of the situation and you will do everything you can. And I know that you will save our beautiful planet.
6: So we're... We live in a wonderful world, full of life, full of color, full of beauty. But in recent years, our world has been devastated by hurricanes, earthquakes, floods, and droughts. What does the future hold for planet Earth? The place we all call home. Climate change could destroy the world that we live in. Scientists predict that within 50 years, Many parts of our world could be under 20 centimetres of water. We can prevent this, if we all work together. There is still time for us to save our world. Solar panels, wind farms and underwater turbines are being used to produce renewable energy. These are sources that can be used again and again. Although there are still many more things that we can be doing. Things that you and your family can do together you can reduce the amount of waste you produce. This can be done by being more resourceful with the things that you use and buy. You and your family can recycle many items in your home. Just look at what you can reuse. Jars. Bottles. Bags. Did you know that 100,000 tons of carrier bags are being thrown away every single year? This is the same weight as 70,000 cars. You and your family could put a stop to this by simply reusing your bags rather than just throwing them away. Many items that you use can be recycled. Cans, bottles, paper, even electrical goods and food can be recycled. It is important we don't just throw these items away. Your used can could easily become part of a new car and your used glass bottle could be made into new windows for your home. So, make sure you use a recycle bin every time. There are many simple things that you and your family can do around your home. Plant a tree in your garden and watch it grow. Make compost with your leftover food and grow new food. When the weather is nice, hang your clothes out to dry. All these things could not only save the environment, they can also save your family money. What we have right now is a chance to preserve our future. Tell your parents, your grandparents and your friends to do the small things that count. We must take it step by step to make sure that you have a future to grow up in. Person by person, family by family, community by community. Together we can make a difference.
5: Well, I hope you enjoyed that video. And now as you go off to faith formation class, um, I hope you have a chance to talk about that and uh, discuss it. And don't forget to click on the link in the chat line to go to your class. Earth is my mother. This is a common belief in many in cult- many native cultures here and around the world, but not so prevalent in our own culture. On Earth Day or better Earth Week, I'm reminded that the Earth is my mother. She provides for me and I must sustain her. I look at the Earth as my mother in many ways or layers. The global view from space shows a beautiful blue planet. This is an unusual appearance for a planet. Why is it blue? The blue color is an interaction of the atmosphere and bodies of water. But Where did the atmosphere come from? The Earth's oxidation atmosphere was created by photosynthesis producing oxygen and capturing carbon dioxide to make organic compounds the basis of life. Life on Earth created the planet we see. I take a breath and appreciate that. On a closer view, the Earth is also green on much of the land area. It has a plant layer. Why is it green? It's green due to plant pigments that capture light for photosynthesis. Plants and other photosynthesizing organisms sustain me with food, energy, wood, plastics, and so many things I take for granted. I thank Mother Earth for these things. A layer beneath the green plants is soil, also called Earth the sustainer of plants, and a living ecosystem. When I hold a handful of soil, I have minerals, nutrients, water, and billions of organisms. All of these components are important for plant growth and photosynthesis. The organisms include billions of bacteria, fungi, microscopic organisms such as nematode, and other larger animals, such as earthworms. If I smell that earthy odor on the soil, that odor is created by actinomycetes, a type of fungi. I also appreciate actinomycetes for their gift of antibiotics, such as streptomycin that man derived from the actinomycetes. The earth provides and heals. It seems to me I've been a scientist my whole life as a professional agronomist in applied science field. I have studied plants of all types, mostly crops, soil and all its properties and organisms, plant pathology, photosynthesis, and many of their interactions. In 1980, I was at CSU studying photosynthesis rates on alfalfa and other crops. Photosynthesis is assessed by measuring CO2 uptake. It's amazing to measure that process and understand it, but distressing to me now because the base concentration level I measured then was 330 parts per million of carbon dioxide. Now, a little more than half of my life later, That CO2 level is nearly 900 parts per million higher at 420 parts per million. We know the implications of that change in CO2. We must heal our harm to the earth. Fellow agronomists and I worked for a more sustainable agriculture that does not degrade the earth. We made progress over my career by reducing erosion, enhancing resource efficiency, and creating more productive plants while producing more food and a more sustainable food production system. The Earth provides when we work with and not against her. I like the idea of Earth Day or Week or Year or Lifetime to remind us about sustainable living in harmony with the earth. Ideas give us inspiration and motivation. But Earth Day, perhaps, should be more than an idea. It should provide us with an ideal of how we can live and guide us into harmony with our Mother Earth.
7: I am very fortunate to have lived and worked in nature my entire life. I grew up in the woods and mountains of the Northeast, did my master's research on the largest private land in the state of Connecticut, and in 1971 became only the 36th person to have hiked the entire Appalachian Trail in one year. After grad school, I was hired to teach wilderness studies and outdoor education at Idaho State University. Here I am with a group of students in the Wind River Range in Wyoming. This is Kelly, one of my students, now a wilderness guide in Canada. She recently wrote to me that, quote, I am grateful and blessed to have had a professor that instilled and inspired me with a sense of stewardship for our mother earth. That was a true gift that I carry with me every day of my life. Soon after moving to Durango in 1981, I worked as a photographer for Greenpeace and began leading photography tours to exotic places around the world. These tours included Africa, the Galapagos, polar bears, and baby harp seals on the pack ice in the North Atlantic, as well as Yellowstone, the Tetons, Arches and Canyonlands, Bosque del Apache in New Mexico. My greatest thrill in leading these tours has always been in showing people the places that I'd love and experiencing the participants getting really excited about seeing something for the first and perhaps only time in their lives. This is the plaque on the summit of Springer Mountain in Georgia at the Southern Terminus of the Appalachian Trail. The quote on the plaque reads, a footpath for those who seek fellowship with the wilderness. In many ways, I've never gotten off of that path. There have been plenty of adventures, good times and hard times. And through it all, photography has been an instrument for me to feel more connected to nature and the environment. There's a traditional Lakota Sioux prayer, metakweessing, which means all are related. It reflects the inherent belief that everything is connected. Nature photography has been a window into a world that is diminishing and unavailable to many people. We must work to save these animals and wild places. By saving or losing wild places, we will ultimately save or lose the best parts of ourselves and our families. In closing, I'd just like to mention that I think it is important that we stay in touch with three qualities as we go through our lives which are offered most easily and freely in nature, as identified by my friend and author, Gary Ferguson. The first of these is natural beauty. We have to have a dynamic relationship with the beauty around us. We need to be able to be in touch with the beauty of the natural world. It opens our hearts and makes us realize we are part of nature and it's not separate from us. The next is community, not just with each other, but with all living things. We need to be able to see the earth as the astronauts see it, as a ball of light and life hurtling through the darkness and void with no national boundaries. A sense of how important it is to be on this planet and how important it is that what we do to each other, we do to ourselves. Lastly, mystery. Nature puts us in touch with things that we never fully understand and know the answers to. And yet it calls forth an imaginative existence that is essential for living in this world. It serves our ability to become an educator, mathematician, artist, scientist. In the end, what I feel is gratitude. These things are gifts. It's still an amazing planet that we live on, full of beauty, and wonder and magic, and I'm grateful to be part of it. So arm yourselves with friendship and love the earth. Let's all work together to save the only home we will ever know.
8: I grew up in a kind of a Goldilocks zone playing outdoors in the woods, abandoned quarries and baseball fields, carefree, experiencing the spirituality of the outdoors unconsciously and without any concern for the fragility of what I was enjoying. Now I have ample reason for great concern. I derive my sense of spirituality from the findings of many sciences but also from feeling the magic of my so small place in the vast and complex cosmos. The science part of getting to truth is lumpy, slow, and often leads to dead ends. The essential data regarding the causes and effects of climate change may have started out uncertain and diffuse, but the accumulated data have pointed to a crisis point for decades. The physical changes we personally experience and that stimulate action, however, have unfortunately come only gradually, subtly. So there's not developed the broad political consensus or urgency for concentrated action because the really big and dangerous effects are only just now becoming readily apparent. Most of us don't readily change ingrained habits or move out of our comfort zone unless pushed or threatened or in pain. As a consequence, the truth I see is that through our delayed attention and lack of concerted action, we're making the earth a very much harder place in which to sustain meaningful lives, let alone ultimate survival. While I'm concerned about myself and my experience of living in the world, even at this stage of my life, it's these people that occupy my thoughts. While I wish that my kids, my grandkids and their kids would have the opportunity for the same carefree experience of the natural world I had, it's quite unlikely that they will. We know that making impactful climate remediation changes is a really big deal. So many large and interacting systems that are part of the equation. Thinking seriously about how difficult attenuating climate changes will be is both engaging and overwhelming our april theme is becoming our faith points us to actions in the service of the big issues even if we're paying attention as i think most of us are and have great concern as i think most of us do there's still the personal imperative some may say it's so complicated the problems are so large there's nothing i can do personally that'll make any significant difference so why bother just enjoy in my opinion the climate crisis is the biggest issue we face no question i asked myself lots of questions to which i had inadequate answers from an environmental care point of view what do we need to do to unbecome as we've said in previous services to give up to sacrifice To allow us and our world to become more. How do we learn to adapt to mitigate the effects that are already built in and will be increasingly difficult to deal with. I do as many of the little things as I can. Turn off the lights, put up solar, install LEDs, recycle, reuse, garden, compost, bike and walk, do the EJT and four core work, contribute to carbon offsets. It's something. It's not enough it never will be, not by itself. The big issues still need to be addressed. There are many ways to do that as well, monitoring legislation, writing Congress people and corporate leaders, joining and participating in environmental organizations. The biggest issue is reducing carbon in the atmosphere, the most significant contributor to climate change. In our capitalist system, it makes sense that the cost of carbon needs to be included in the price of what we produce. That's the basis for the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act that's recently been reintroduced in Congress. Those of you who have seen the links, we put in the newsletter and e announcements are familiar with the goals of the Act. You may have seen Susan Atkinson's good summary on Friday's Herald, too. Our EJT has endorsed the Act, but we hope that UUFD, along with many other UU congregations who have already done so, will endorse the Act. So I'd like to conduct the promised poll. This isn't a formal vote. We just want to get a general sense of the fellowship's thoughts on this question. Should UUFD endorse the Energy Innovation and Carbon Act? There's two places on your screen to show your choice, depending on your version and or machine. For some, look at the bottom of your screen and click the reactions button. If you don't see that button, click on the participants button and then the more button and then look at the bottom of the window. Either way, click the green check mark for yes, we should endorse or the red mark for no, we shouldn't endorse. Make sure you make only one click because if you click a second time, your vote will disappear. For those of you with more than one person on a screen, unfortunately, zoom doesn't permit two votes per screen. So we ask that you and your partner decide together what your vote will be so um, Bonnie can be calibrating results. Uh, And I just like to let people know that, in addition to Susan Atkins, article in in Friday's paper, there's a really good article this morning in The Washington Post, if you can get a hold of it, um, about climate news being relentlessly objectively grim, and should we ever allow ourselves to feel optimism. And I think inside that article, there is some sense of optimism. So if you can click on the Washington Post article, that might be a cool thing to do too. So, Bonnie, what do we got?
0: The Zoom tally shows nearly a complete census consensus of yes, let's endorse this act.
8: Thank you. So I remind myself of the starfish story. As aware people doing many little things, maybe also contributing to the big actions in some way, we will make a difference. Your support on the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act tosses another starfish back into the ocean. I'm not unhopeful, but I do hope things will speed up a lot. I see a broadening and deepening of concern and action from elementary students to corporate executives to the top levels of government and to all the science that's working in favor of climate remediation. For our part, I know our beloved community will continue to lovingly and proactively take care of our part of the world, doing what we can as individuals, collectively, as friends, as a community, publicly and consciously sending a unifying message to others around us, maybe to borrow something from our current situation. Acting together, we foster an ongoing local pandemic of environmental consciousness and action. I'm sure my kids grandkids and yours and all future generations will be thankful. May it be so.
1: The opening words of our offering come from the author of Braiding Sweetgrass, Robin Wall Kimmerer, in an article titled, Returning the Gift. We are showered every day with the gifts of the earth, gifts we have neither earned nor paid for, air to breathe, nurturing rain, Black soil, berries and honeybees, the exuberance of a field of goldenrod and asters in full bloom. Though the earth provides us with all that we need, we have created a consumption driven economy that asks, what more can I take from the earth? And almost never asks, what does earth ask of us in return? The premise of earth asking something of me of me i celebrate i it makes my heart swell i celebrate that the living planet has the capacity to ask something of us and that we have the capacity to respond we are not passive recipients of her gifts but active participants in her well-being we are honored by the request it lets us know that we belong. This fellowship gives so much to us. We too are honored by the request to support this community, and this lets us know that we belong. Please join me in giving so that we may continue in the spirit of reciprocity and become active participants in the continued well being of this fellowship imagine now in your mind's eye our ushers walking around holding the baskets ready for your contribution imagine placing your gifts in this virtual offering basket coming around there are three ways to give you can check those in the chat box first you can mail a check to the church office or you can go on our website and make a donation there or even set up a continuing donation or the simplest way i have found is just simply to text the amount you want to donate to 833-765-0135 with the amount you want to do- donate in the message line. It's that simple. Your gifts are gratefully received.
0: Our closing song, The Earth is Our Mother, is attributed to the Hoopa tribe of Northern California. A culture that is not our own. Still, we sing it with the intent to honor this native culture and to connect to its reverence for the earth. The haunting melody and personification of the earth are a moving plea for us to nurture our planet. Leading our singing is an ensemble from the choir accompanied by Lawrence Nass on the native flute and me on the djembe. Please sing along.
3: Ground we walk upon with every step.
0: we prepare to close our service and extinguish our chalice. Remember that you're invited to join one of our small breakout groups and visit with one another right after our recessional music. We hope your your connection and love for our Mother Earth has been affirmed today. And perhaps you can share some of your experiences with nature in your small group. And now let's extinguish the chalice.
7: okay today's benediction are a few words by edward abbey may a trail be crooked winding lonesome leading to the most amazing views may a trail you in the desert of red rock blue mesas domes and pinnacles and down again into deep vast ancient unknown chasm where bars of sunlight and profiled cliffs. There's something strange and more beautiful and more full of wonder than your deepest dream waits for you. Beyond that next turning of the canyon walls. May that be so.